Well, it's good to uh, see everybody this morning. Um, I have the uh, privilege of bringing a message that with a really strange title. And uh, it's Treasure Principle Number 4, I Should Live Not for the Dot, But for the Line. Now, what on earth does that mean? We're going to get into that in a little bit. But building up to that, I want to review for just a few minutes uh, what we've been learning. This this whole uh, adventure, this 40 week, uh, 40 40 week, uh, 40 days. It feels like 40 weeks. 40 days um, of uh, learning about generosity, and there's some key principles, uh, treasure principles that we've been looking at. Uh, several weeks ago, Pastor Jim reminded us that God owns everything. I'm his money manager. So you got to get the ownership of stuff right before you can really say anything else about the Bible. God owns it all. So God owns everything. I'm his money manager. Uh, next, uh, Pastor Ludovic uh, brought us a message. My heart always goes where I put God's money. It talked about that, that principle that... Um, you know, where, wherever your treasure is, your heart, it's, it's going to follow it. So, uh, first off, make sure you have the right treasure, which is God himself, and, and know that your heart's going to follow that, whatever you, whatever you treasure. And then last week, very appropriately for Easter, Pastor Jim shared with us, heaven, not earth, is my home. And he, he, it was a really long, beautiful, uh, extended meditation on the glories of heaven. That await us, and it was just very encouraging to spend uh, a chunk of time just thinking about just thinking about heaven. And uh, um, but my question today, this, this is these are wonderful principles. My question that I want us to think about is, uh, you know, if if as Pastor Jim said, heaven and not earth is our home. If that is the case, if that's true, well. Then, so what? Who cares? So what? What is the big deal about heaven, not earth, being my home? And, and that is what I hope to kind of unpack a little bit today. And that's why we have the very strange title, uh, We Should Live for the Line, Not for the Dot. What, uh, whatever on earth that means. So... What, what, so what? So what that heaven, not earth, is my home? How does that make a difference for me here and now? And, uh, you know, Christians have been accused for centuries of being so heavenly-minded, they're no earthly good. They're just thinking about heaven all the time. And, you know, you come along to a Christian and say, oh, how are you doing? And they're like, oh, I'm just fine. And they're just sort of floating around in cloud, uh, cloud nine or cloud seven or whatever the phrase is. Anyway, um, how does it change things right now and specifically how does it help me be generous, which is the whole point of uh, these, these 40 days? Well, I'm, I'm going to sum up the point of this message in, in a single sentence here. And that is, if heaven, not earth, is my home, then I do not need to fear the losses incurred by my generosity. If heaven and not earth is my home, 
I do not need to fear the losses incurred by my generosity. Now, I'm, I'm going to start off, I'm going to do the depressing part of the sermon first, okay? It's always, you know, then get that out of the way, and then it's all uphill from there, right? Or downhill, I suppose you should say, or whatever. Um, so the depressing part of this is that generosity produces a lot of fear because, let's just be honest, generosity equals loss. It, it, it's kind of depressing just to come right out and say that, but it's, it's, it's really true. When you are generous, you're losing something, aren't you? Um, you know, we, we all acknowledge generosity. It's a good thing. It's a good quality. We admire other people who are generous. But when it comes to ourselves, you know, and it, really when it comes to me, what, one of the reasons I hesitate being generous is because I know I'm going to lose something. We all lose something when we're generous. And um, so that, that's, that's the, the problem here with, with generosity. It, it's sort of, there, when I'm giving something away, there, there's this, I have this reminder, you know, whether it's my time, my money, uh, my energy, what, what, my strength, whatever it is, that sometimes there's this temptation to feel, you know, like I'm, I'm really wasting something. I'm, I'm losing out on something. I'm being deprived of something. I'm denying myself some sort of basic need. Um, and it's, it's really going to set me back in some way. That, that's that's kind of what creeps in as, as, we, as we give something away. You know, and it's true, generosity involves a sacrifice. It has a cost. Uh, and, you know, sometimes that, that generosity... Um, well, you know, I'm, I'm sure we've all had those sorts of experiences when, you know, somebody calls up, you know, probably somebody like me and, like, want to do child care, you know? And, uh, and, you know, and just that one extra request, it just pushes you over the edge. And, you know, maybe, maybe on the phone you're like, um, um, I'll pray about that. You know, and then, at the, oh, I couldn't believe he asked me. He asked me one more thing of me. I can't believe it. And you're just filled with, with, uh, oh yeah, Ann is like, yeah, oh, amen. When Andrew asks me something, woo, let me tell you, yeah. Um, just that one extra thing just pushes us over. And, it, it, and you know, I, I have to be honest, I'm grappling with the same thing of just one more thing is being asked of me. And, and there's this, I don't know about you, but I have this self-protective mechanism that just kind of like rises up within me. You know, it says, no more! Don't let anything else be stolen from you! You know, and uh, just stop asking! I can't lose anymore, I'm going to die! You know, that, that rises up. So, it, it's true, generosity uh, is, is loss. And, you know, we all react differently to this. Um, some of us react with stinginess. And that's the reaction of nobody is getting one thing more from me. That's it. Nothing more. All right? It's that, you know, just, just putting up these uh, boundaries that nobody can break. Nobody's getting anything from you. Nobody's getting a piece of you. And, uh, and now, now by, by the way, I'm not saying... It's, sometimes it's really good and really healthy to have appropriate boundaries. You can't... You know, God gave you limits for a reason. Um, but I'm not talking about healthy, good boundaries where you, you know, graciously say, say no, that, that I can't uh, do that right now or, or whatever. I'm talking about the stinginess where you refuse to give anything away. You refuse to give anything away. Um, 
you know, the boundaries have to do with stewarding the resources God gave you. Stinginess has to do with being afraid that if anything's taken from you, you're going to die. All right, that's that's what stinginess. So so stinginess is coming out of fear. Uh, boundaries, good healthy boundaries. That that's that's coming out of just following Jesus. I, I want to handle what Jesus has given me uh, rightly and appropriately. Um, some of us react with hoarding. Now hoarding is a little bit different than stinginess. Um, hoarding, you might still give things away, but with hoarding, you uh, you you take you keep more for yourself than you need. All right. Stinginess, you don't give anything away. Hoarding, you might give something away, but you keep more of it for yourself. And, and the reason you do that is, is really out of fear. And, and hoarding is not the same thing as saving. Um, saving is a really good uh, biblical principle of, of stewardship. I'm not talking about um, saving. But the big difference is this. When you save, you're saving for God so that you can keep being generous in the future. Okay, that, that's what saving is for. It's motivated by uh, the glory of God so you can keep being generous in the future. Hoarding, on the other hand, that's motivated by fear that God's not going to take care of you in the future, so you better be sure to take care of yourself. Okay, that's the difference. And, and with hoarding, you're doing it out of fear, and you're doing it for yourself. Saving, you're doing it for God, and you're doing it out of faith and trust. So uh, some of us, and this is, this is probably the most dangerous for us Christians because it's the most, uh, th- this, is what, this is what we often, I know what I have often fallen prey to. We're generous, but we're generous with resentment. Okay? That's where you, you do give away, but in your heart, you resent that loss. Okay, and and this is the sneakiest because you know on the outside nobody could accuse you of not being generous. Nobody could look at you and say, well, you're just being stingy or you're hurting. No, it doesn't look like that. But on the inside, you're being uh, you're, you're you're being resentful. You know, maybe you're resentful because you know you're, you're tired of everybody looking at you as you know, Mr. Moneybags. You're tired of everyone thinking of you as well. You know, I know we can't count on anyone else, but I know she'll stay till the end and clean up after that event. You know. Um, you're just so tired of, of being used and exploited that way. Uh, you know, whatever the source of, of your generosity, um, sorry, whatever the source of your resentment about your generosity is, you know, it, it really, it's, it's a recipe for burnout. Um, it's really the resentment that burns you out, not the generosity itself. Generosity, it's exhausting, but God has got so much more to give you when you, when you give away. But with resentment... There's no refill of God's energy when, when you're resentful. The resentment just eats away at you, and, it, and, and that's what really burns you up to a little crisp, um, yeah, a little crispy bacon. Um, and, 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 you know, worse than that, the resentment uh, poisons other people um, in all kinds of ways. You know, some, some of the worst is when you, you, you lash out because um, you're just so sick and tired of giving away and, you know, Andrew Gross calls you up one more time and asks you to do child care one more time. And, um, and, and you, just, you just blow up. I mean, not that that's happened to, any, to me at all, for many of you. But, um, uh, but it, it, it poisons other people. It lashes out. It, you, you, um, it wells up and, and you, just, you just lose it um, with other people. 
and so, so in other words, we, gotta, we have to be vigilant against um, this generosity with resentment. Um, it's, it's very poisonous. So, oh, one more thing about that. You know, the Bible says, in uh, Paul writes in, in 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, he says, if I give all my possessions to feed the poor and deliver my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. So I, I thought generosity was the definition of love. Well, Paul here is saying you could actually be externally generous but not have love. You know, you're not doing it yourself or anybody else any good. And uh, um, that, so, so that's what this kind of generosity with, with resentment is. So don't, don't delude yourself into thinking just because I'm giving away externally, um, I'm, I'm all okay if, if you're harboring and nursing that resentment inside your heart. Okay, so how do you deal with the loss of generosity and not go to stinginess, hoarding, or resentful generosity. And I would say that, like I said at the beginning, if heaven, not earth, is my home, I do not need to fear the losses incurred by my generosity in this life because I have no eternal loss. No, no eternal losses, not a single one. There's, and, and, and what I mean by that, when, when you are in heaven with God, there's going to be, there won't be a moment of delay um, for your enjoyment, for your uh, pleasure with the Lord, of, of, ex, of tasting him and experiencing him. Um, and, and in fact, um, it, there won't, not only will there not be a delay, but it's going to go on forever and ever and ever. And not only is it going to go on forever and ever and ever, it's going to be infinite, meaning there's going to be no end to it. God's not going to just hand you to, oh, you get that little crumb. Um, he's, he's giving you everything. He's giving you himself, the fullness of joy and uh, pleasures that go on and on forever. More than that, there's even all these little hints throughout Scripture that in heaven, eternity is actually going to be progressive. And what that means is, it's going to get better and better and better because as you're with the Lord longer, you're going to be increasingly transformed to be able to enjoy more and more of him and you're just going to be able to, to receive more and more. So, so heaven, you know, this life, pleasures come and go. They, they get big, they get little. Uh, but in, in, in heaven, there's going to be no end to it and it's just going to get better and better and better. Okay? And, and, and you won't have to experience any loss of that, any diminishment of that. You won't have to experience any delay in that. And, uh, you know, in fact, when, when you're in heaven, in comparison, the weight of that glory is going to be so amazing that the losses of this life are going to appear at that time to be insignificant. Now, I, I know right now, maybe with what you're going through, that sounds sort of callous or harsh of me, to say that you're going through something insignificant, because you're not. I'm, not. I'm not suggesting you're going through something insignificant. But what I'm saying is, in comparison to the weight of glory, the losses of this life and the losses that come when you're generous will, will, will really appear as they truly, truly are, in comparison, very insignificant. Um, and let, let, me, let me just give you... Or, or, first of all, let me give you a little an analogy here, okay? Okay. Um, Let's say I'm starting off to school, I'm a little kid, and my dad hands me a quarter, 
for milk money. I don't, I don't know if milk still costs a quarter, but and probably not. It's probably like $10 now or something. Anyway, uh, you guys are like, mm-hmm, yes. So uh, dad gives me a little quarter, and then he says, you know, when you get home, home son, um, this $100 bill is going to be waiting for you. I mean, I don't know too many dads who do that, but let's just say that, that that's what happens. This $100 bill is waiting for you. So you skip off to school. But you get to school, and your friend uh, doesn't have his lunch money. And you look around, and you, you kind of reach into your pocket, and, oh, there's your quarter, and you give it to him. And you go that lunch without your milk, kind of thirsty, kind of dry, you know, dry throat or whatever. But are you flooded with bitterness? Are you, is your heart... N- being gnawed out with resentment because of having given away that quarter. Yeah, you're uncomfortable for a little bit. I can see Matt has looked. He's he's bitter. I can, yeah, because he gave away that quarter. That's okay, Matt. We'll we'll pray for you. We're gonna have deliverance prayer for Matt at the end here. Um, Brenda's like, mm, yes, please. Um, I gotta pick on the Ramples or the Suns just at least once service here. So, um, the uh, where was I? Oh, okay, so you're not bitter. You're not bitter about having to give away that quarter because you've got, daddy's got $100 for you when you get home. Yes, there's some inconvenience, there's some discomfort in the short term, but that loss in comparison feels very insignificant. You can even console yourself in the meantime, before you have that $100 in hand, you can console yourself in the meantime because you know what's coming. Okay? Does this, does this make sense here, sort of? Okay, a couple nods, yeah. All right, somebody got it. Um, and, uh, you know, Scripture has tons of stuff to say about this. We're going to look at this verse a little bit later on. But um, this fabulous passage in Hebrews chapter 11 says, By faith Moses chose to be mistreated with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded the disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt, because he was looking ahead to his reward. Now, you just got to think about that, especially in the ancient world. At the time of Moses, Egypt was it. They were the wealthiest, most powerful nation in the world, and had been for centuries and would be for centuries more. And I don't know if anyone's ever seen, you know, went to the King, Tut, the King Tut's tomb you know, uh, display in the museum, or maybe you've seen pictures of it. I mean, just lavish wealth. Well, King Tut was like the poorest king in Egypt ever, almost. And uh, so compared to that, most other kings just had just storerooms and whole palaces filled with lavish wealth. And, and Moses had access to all of that, um, being brought up in the, in the, in the palace of, of Pharaoh. And, and yet he saw a reward that was greater Okay, this is how this works, okay? You can give things up in this life because your reward is so much greater. Is that kind of making sense? And, and this is all throughout the, uh, the whole Bible. I, I love, this is one of my favorite verses that explains this from, from Philippians. Paul writes, But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness 
of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. All right, this, this is how this works. He, Paul got it. In this life, he realized that the glory, the beauty, the wonder, the delight of knowing Jesus, it so outweighed even what was to his profit, even what was to his gain in this life. So he didn't mind giving up what was to his profit in this life. Uh, now, Randy Alcorn, the, the fellow, the little booklet many of you have been reading, um, he uh, is the, the treasure, the sec- treasure, sec- secret treasures, sec- treasure secret, sec- secret, anyway, those of you who are reading know exactly what book I'm talking about. Randy Alcorn, he, this is where, this is what he calls, he came up with the weird title, living for, uh, living not for the dot, but for the line. Okay, that's what uh, Randy Alcorn came up with. And he came up with this illustration, which I think is, is really helpful. Um, this picture of the dot and then this arrow. Well, the dot, that represents this life. And the line uh, represents eternity. And, and I think it's a helpful picture because you, you see how the dot is this little confined space. It's this little, uh, little thing and there, there's this very clear end to it very clear limit to it, but eternity, represented by this arrow, just keeps going on and on and on. It's, it's a great way to sort of compare uh, the difference. And, um, and I, let's just look at some of the, what the scriptures say about the difference it makes when you live for that line versus living for that dot. Uh, one amazing thing you can do when you live for the line versus the dot is, like Abraham, you can obey. Abraham obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Now, we'll just put it out there, uh, state it frankly, sometimes obedience, if we live for the dot, doesn't make any sense because we're like, how do I get anything out of that? How does that help me to obey the command to love my neighbor as myself. What, that doesn't do anything for me. Well, of course it doesn't make sense if you're living for the dot. But if you're living for eternity, the things you lose when you obey that commandment, um, it, it's all okay to lose those things, just like it was for Paul. You can obey when you live for the line versus living for the dot. Also, it allows you, this is where generosity comes in, it allows you to give away your most precious possessions when you live for the line versus the dot. Like Abraham, by faith, Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice, his most precious child, his only legal uh, heir to all to everything God had promised him. Um, you know, it, it is hard to give away what's precious to us. It is. It really is hard. But when we live for the line and not for the dot... It's okay to give that away because, like I said, there are no eternal losses. Um, When we live for the line versus the dot, we can delay and even forego pleasures. We can delay and even forego pleasures. It says about Moses, um, Moses chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for 
a short time. You know, sometimes obedience, sometimes generosity involves a delay of our own pleasure or sometimes completely foregoing our own pleasure. You know, if I have $10 and I intend to spend it on, you know, I don't know, for me, pleasure of, um, you know, a cup of coffee, a little uh, newspaper and a um, scone, or I don't know what, some time to myself, whatever, um, and, but then God directs me to give that $10 to somebody else, uh, yeah, I'm delaying some pleasure for myself, and yeah, that, that's, that's tough. But when we live for the line, not for, that, for the dot, that, we can do that. We, we, because, like we talked about earlier, the reward of heaven is so much greater than the little pleasure we're giving up in, in the short term. Um, you know, we can also face obstacles fearlessly when we live for the line, not for the dot. Uh, it says, by faith, talking about Moses here, Moses left Egypt not fearing the king's anger. And, you know, you, you got you to go back and read the whole story if you want to get the, the, the full weight of this, of this story. But, um, it, you know, the, the king of Egypt, you, you didn't cross the king of Egypt. Uh, it's not like, you know, they, they didn't have a, a modern democracy where you can disagree with elected officials. Uh, you can even kick elected officials out of office if you don't like them. They, you know, they had a king who was worshipped like a god, and any disagreement meant your death. And, but Moses wasn't afraid. So you likewise can fearlessly face obstacles when you live for the line, not for the dot. Um, you can also do great things for God. It says, um, though, through faith, I'm sorry, they conquered kingdoms, administered justice, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. It's referring to a whole bunch of those stories in the Old Testament. And, you know, they could do all those things because they were living for the line, not the dot. They didn't see their whole existence as this little tiny confi- confined dot. Um, they were living for something far, far greater. Um, you can also, and this is most, most uh, relevant for many of us right now, you can endure hardships when you live for the line, not for the dot. Others were tortured. Face, some faced jeers and flogging, while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sawed in two. They were put, in, put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. All those people were doing that because they were living for the line, not for the dot. It says it, says it right here what, how, how, what their secret was, how they were able to do it. I'm piecing together several things from that chapter in, in, in Hebrews 11. Um, it says, um, Abraham was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. So because he was looking forward to that city... He didn't mind wandering about in the desert, kind of not really knowing where he was going next. Um, it says about um, it says he was looking for a better country, a heavenly one. And then in verse 16, it says about Moses. We've already talked about this one. He regarded the disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of, e- of Egypt, because he was looking ahead to his reward. And then later in verse 26, 27, it says that. Um, he persevered, Moses persevered because he saw 
him who was invisible. All right, you guys, you guys see how this is working? You're able to do these sacrifices that are involved with, with generosity. Uh, you're able to lose things now because your reward so overwhelmingly uh, outweighs those losses. And you, you can even console yourself right now with that fact. Um, all that comes from living for the line, not the dot. Flip side of that, though, is what if you live for the dot, not for uh, the line? I, I told you the depressing part would be at the beginning, but here's, here's a little depression just to you know, keep you interested right now. Um, when we live for the dot, not for the line, two really bad things happen to us. Number one, we become fools for hoarding things destined for the trash heap, okay? I mean, you think about it. You know, if if you uh, if you go over to somebody's house, you know, and uh, you see they're they're keeping all these things that probably should have been thrown in the trash like a really long time ago, you know that 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 person is really appears appears foolish, and uh, you might be thinking, well, you know, I'm not keeping anything destined, or I'm I'm not keeping any trash around my house, but but really. Everything is ultimately destined for the trash heap, ultimately. Um, Randy Elkhorn, uh, the author of this book, uh, you know, he, he, there's a really interesting quote here uh, about that. He says, sooner or later, everything we own ends up here in the trash heap. Christmas and birthday presents, cars, boats, and hot tubs, clothes, Stereos, barbecues, the treasures that children quarreled about. Just had my twins' uh, birthday yesterday, and they turned three, and three-year-old twins quarreling about about little, like, scraps of paper. Anyway, that wasn't part of the quote. (laughs) Treasures that children quarreled about, friendships were lost over, honesty was sacrificed for, and marriages broke up over all end up here in, in the junkyard. All right, you just, just think about that for a little while. It's kind of mind-boggling. Uh, you know, uh, Alcorn even has a suggestion. I, I was sort of shocked by this, but it sounds like a, maybe I'll try it sometime. He, uh, he said that you should take a family field trip to the junkyard and just hang out there for a while and just look around. You know, have, have the kids start recognizing, oh, didn't we have, or don't we have something just like that? Or didn't we have a fight over that just yesterday? And, oh, look at that, Daddy, there's that computer of yours. You know, it looks just like your computer. You know, so, uh, and, and that really helps putting things in perspective. That's where it's all ending up. Um, uh, but if, if we hoard it, then we, we really become fools for that. Um, the second bad thing that happens when we live for the dot, not for the line, is that we are paralyzed by fear of losing that trash. All right? Think about how often you've been gripped by this fear that if you lose this thing, you're just not going to be okay. All right? And, and sometimes it's a totally irrational fear that just grips you. You're sort of like, you know, oh, my precious, you know, um, it'd be, it's kind of like, 
We're going to see in Lord of the Rings gets that, I guess. Um, but, you know, it, it, and, and um, it, it, it'd be ridiculous, you know, if, if I, you know, I love coffee. I've turned kind of a coffee addict lately. But, you know, if I were to take those grounds, those used grounds, and, and just sit there and rub them on my face, oh, I love you. You know, that would just, it would not be good. So, how do you live for the line, not for the dot? How do you avoid those two big mistakes? Number one, just like we've been talking about, look at material possessions for what they really are, trash for the heap. Okay? And I know you might be thinking that sounds a little simplistic because, you know, we, we do benefit from things. And I, I'm not saying that things are bad. I mean, God made things and he called them good when he made them. So things aren't the problem. It's just that we have to keep it in the right place. We have to keep it in the proper perspective. All right? There's no reason to be stingy and miserly and hoarding over things that are going to end up in the trash heap. Okay? So I'm not saying things are bad. I'm just saying keep it in the right perspective. Um, second, and this is where last week's sermon is so, so important. We need to fix our imagination on the glories of heaven. We, we need to let our imagination just be inflamed by all those truths Pastor Jim was sharing with us last week about the, the beauty of heaven. You know, in fact, almost all the songs we sang this morning were all about, they, they were just giving us a little glimpse of the picture of heaven. And, and you need to keep your imagination there. That's what those songs, that's a big part of what they were meant to do. It wasn't, the, the thing that was inspiring about those songs wasn't just that, you know, they went, and you know, and you were sort of swept up with the sound of it. Um, what, what's so important about those, the, 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 the pictures in those songs is it inflames your imagination and, 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 and you get this little glimpse of, yes, that's, that's what heaven's going to be like and it's going to be even better than, than I can even imagine and that's so much better than these coffee grounds I'm clinging on to. I, 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 just, I have to admit this. My, or my wife is going to you know, stand up and say something uh, embarrassing. I, did, I was such... I, I'm really embarrassed. I probably shouldn't even say this. Okay, I'll just say it. I, I, I was, I'm such a miser that I would, for, sometimes I would see how many times I could use those grounds um, to, to get, you know, the extra cup of coffee. It's like, oh, I don't want to waste it. And then I have to spend more money on a cup of coffee. Anyway, I, I stopped that habit because, you know, my wife could tell. She'd be like, honey, these are, the, these are the yucky ones, aren't they? You did that again, Andrew, didn't you, sweetie? Um, Anyway, all that to say, that's bad. I don't do that anymore. And, 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 and you, can, you can throw away the trash because your imagination is fixed in the superior beauty, the superior pleasure, the superior delight of heaven. Okay? Um, thank you. Amen. Third, consider how you can direct your trash toward eternity. Okay. Now I just got through talking about how it's all ending up in the trash heap. That's true, but you can actually use the stuff, the junk, the trash. You can actually use that stuff to have an eternal impact. And if you do, then it, it really isn't a waste. And let me, let me just briefly try to explain that. Um, you see, God made stuff. He called it good, and He made it so that it would be 
an instrument in our hand to show love. All right? That's why we have the stuff. We have the stuff, not to hoard it, not just to please ourselves, but so that we have concrete things to show love. That's why God lets us have the stuff. And when we use our stuff that way, when we use our stuff to love other people, then it actually can have an eternal impact. Let me uh, read this quote from A.W. Tozer. Uh, he says, a base, As base a thing as money is, often is, it yet can be transmuted into everlasting treasure. It can be converted into food for the hungry and clothing for the poor. It can keep a missionary actively winning lost men in the light of the gospel and thus transmute itself into heavenly values. Any temporal possession can be turned into everlasting wealth. What is given to Christ is immediately touched with immortality. All right? So even though it's all destined for the trash heap, you actually can use it to impact eternity if you're doing it for the glory of God and to bless other people. That's, that's, that's pretty mind-numbing, mind-bending, just when you think of it that way. Um, and all this is how we live for the line, not for the dot. Um, when, when we live for the dot, we're trapped, we're enslaved into this fearful existence where we dare not give away anything or dare not give too much away uh, because nobody's going to take care of us but us. But when we live for the line, it's this very confident, free certainty. God's going to take care of me in the future. He's going to keep taking care of me. And more than that, in comparison to heaven, any, anything I give up now is, is, is really insignificant. And it's this beautiful kind of freedom God has in store for us. Now, um, I would be remiss if I didn't finish with an invitation because, you see, this is just a a wonderful part of the inheritance of, of being a Christian. But not everybody in this room is a Christian. Not everybody in this room knows Jesus yet. And if you don't know Jesus then you are excluded from this beautiful freedom of living for the line instead of the dot. In fact, if you don't know Jesus, you're trapped, you're enslaved in the dot, and you can't get free, no matter what kind of fantasy world you you try to live in. You can't get free of that dot until you know Jesus. And so I want to invite you to come to Jesus, to know him. Some of you know that you don't know Jesus yet. Maybe you grew up in church, but you still don't know Jesus. Um, come. He, Jesus has said that the entry into this life of living for the line and not for the dot, it's totally free. It's completely free of charge. You can come in and he will welcome you with joy. So come. Don't and, and I and I want to encourage you not to delay. We we don't know how many more breaths God is going to lend us. Um, healthy, vigorous, strong young people die every day. Suddenly 
without any warning. Don't delay. You don't know how long those doors of welcome are going to stay open for you. Come free of charge. And the way you come, it's very, very simple. Scripture says it very simply. Jesus preached, uh, repent and believe. And you repent by turning away from all that... There's the... There's the glory of heaven right there. Okay, um, uh, you, you repent by turning away from being in charge of your own life, being your own Lord, and making Jesus your Lord. That's how you repent. And you believe by saying, God, Jesus, I accept you. Jesus, I accept you as God's answer and solution to all of my yearning and my aching inside. You, you Jesus, actually are God himself revealed. Um, you repent and you believe. So, so we're gonna, as as the as the worship team um, does their uh, this this last song, I, I'd, I'd like us all to, you know, think about it and come, come. If you don't know Jesus yet, come. Now is the time to come. Do not delay. And uh, and then I'm going to uh, pray for us at the end. So.